You're not alone. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of the Salt Mines X-Wing podcast, a podcast dedicated to the backbone of the X-Wing community. That's right, people just like you, doing what they can to get better at the game. And in today's episode, I wanted to start something a little bit new. Um, and what it is, essentially, is is friends of mine ask me to uh, list build or help them with lists or things like that. And I noticed that I'm getting slightly higher... Um, slightly higher downloads when I talk about list building and things like that. So I wanted to add a new section to this podcast uh, that I'm going to call the list of the week. Um, well, maybe not. Maybe the list of the two week. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll figure something out. But uh, each week I'm going to choose a different faction and I'm going to try to pick some ships that are loved and I'm going to try to build a, uh, a competitive squad out of this. Now, this particular squad that I'm going to talk about today, I actually built for my friend Jeremiah. And uh, it includes a couple of tweaks that another friend of mine, uh, Jason, which thank you, uh, Jason, for uh, added to help me kind of fine-tune this list and just make it that much better. So the list is, and this is a resistance list, and it's Jess Pava with just the integrated foils, Rose Tico with C-3PO, and two New Republic patrols with ion cannon turrets and targeting computers, and Merrill Cobbin with intimidation. And the idea here is you have your, your resistance jousting block. Now you lose a little bit of the firepower uh, because instead of running T-70s with three dice, you're going to be doing the, uh, the Y-wings. But you'll have that extra ion control element added to it. Plus, everyone here is going to be double modding shots in some way, shape, or form. So Jess can double mod her shots on her own. Rose can double shot, double mod her shots, and then these Y-Wings can target lock and then get a calculate uh, because they have the targeting computer. And then you have Merrill with Intimidation around to try to make them hit a little bit harder. And I think this is a good solid five-ship build for the Resistance. So with that said, is this a, a, a segment that you like? Would you like me to continue doing this? Please let me know. Uh, either tweet at me uh, or shoot me an email or leave a review and let me know. Uh, but I wanted to continue reading from the AMG Rules Forum. And I know this is kind of boring, but the reason that I'm doing it is I consider the rules a fundamental part of the game. And I believe that you have to understand them and their and the interactions in order to help you with your list building, help you with your uh, planning maneuvers, your flying, and um, also in kind of dealing with your opponents. Because sometimes you just, like I think we've all had that, that player across the table that says, oh, yeah, this interaction works when we both, when we know that it doesn't. And so then we have to call a judge over and just, Knowing what the rules are and what the different interactions are between all of these different ships gives you that fundamental edge that I don't think a lot of players have. So that's the reason that I'm continuing to read off of this. And I hope you're getting something out of it as well. So without further ado, let's continue on. 
This one's titled AP5 and Linked Actions. OP. Can AP5 coordinate a stress ship to perform a white action that links into a red action, such as B-Wings? AP5 says they can perform actions so long as they have one stress token. I have had it ruled both ways at large events. I believe it depends on timing for when the ship receives a stress token to perform said linked action. The answer. No, while AP5 could coordinate a ship with one stress token, allowing it to perform an action, any while coordinating abilities stop after the first action has taken and do not apply to linked actions. That's good to know overall for coordinating. You cannot coordinate into a linked action. All right, next question goes along with this. When, a coordinate, when ends a coordinate action? OP. Hi, thank you for this forum. You already answered all the, all the questions I have, but this one. When in the coordinate action? One, is it after choosing a range one to two friendly ship? Two, after this friendly ship, make one action granted by the coordinate action? Three, after the friendly ship makes all his linked actions following the action granted by the coordinate action? I think it's the first one. For example, when a ship with Gleb coordinates a silencer, the silencer can focus and red boost with auto thruster and gains a second stress with with Gleb. Same thing with Sienna Re crew. And how AP5 with an A-wing. Can a stressed A-wing do one action followed by vectored thrusters and ends with two stress? Thanks. Hi. A coordinating ship is a ship that is attempting to coordinate by performing the following steps. One, measure range from the coordinating ship to any friendly ships. Two, choose another friendly ship at range one to two. Three, the chosen ship may perform one action. Once the chosen ship has performed an action, the coordinate is considered to be complete. Now it doesn't fully answer the rest of his questions in here, but that last one with AP5 does, which is you cannot coordinate into a linked action. All right, next question. Color of BB-8's pilot system phase boost. OP, another oddish one that I never saw show up in the rules reference. What color is the boost action that BB-8's pilot ability permits during the system phase? The argument over if the red preceding the barrel roll action in the text was applicable to both the barrel roll and boost action. All right, um, there was a there was a post and then they corrected it. So this is what it says. After initial review, we are updating our position on this. BB-8 system phase barrel roll and booth boost are both red. See our clarification post here. And they uh, link to another post. All right, next question. R3 astromech and false transponder codes. OP, a ship equipped with R3 astromech locks a ship with false transponder codes. What is the order of R3 and FTC? Does false transponder codes trigger first, jamming off the target lock and allowing the ship with R3 to reacquire a target lock on the same ship? Or does R3 astromech trigger first, allowing the ship to acquire a lock on another ship, but the original target lock gets jammed off? The FTC trigger is after 
an object acquires a lock on you while the R3 trigger is after you perform a lock action. However, the rules reference states that when a ship performs a target lock action, it acquires a lock. So in order of so the order of these triggers are not completely clear. Answer. Both false transposer codes elicit and R3 astromech trigger after the lock is acquired on the ship with false transponder codes upgrade and would enter the ability queue in player order. All right, not um, super specific here. I would have liked to see them gone a little bit more in depth. Uh, but what it sounds like is, uh, actually, no, I'm, I'm not even going to get in that. If they're going to leave it open, then we'll leave it open as well. I, I can tell you as a uh, TO how I would rule this um, based on the nebulous, unless there's something else that uh, we come across today that shows otherwise or in the future, uh, I, would, I would rule that uh, you cannot lock the same ship twice. Um, but I would have to read uh, all of R3 and uh, FTC to make a determination on that completely. All right, next question. R2-D2 crew, what happens if direct hit is flipped? Does the direct hit damage resolve before or after recovering a shield? So here's the, that was the, uh, the title. Here is the OP all in the question, R2-D2 text below. During the end phase, if you are damaged and not shielded, you may roll one attack die to recover one shield. On a hit result, expose one of your damage cards. The question comes in from a semi-recent FAQ about paying costs following Nantech's release, where the effect of paying the cost gets resolved after you fully resolve the ability. Does this change anything for R2-D2? What is the correct sequence of exposing a direct hit? Answer, no, there's no associated cost with R2-D2 crew. This is an optional ability you may use to recover a shield that has a potential consequence. With regards to exposing a direct hit, as you would have already recovered a shield, a direct hit would then remove it. Okay, that's straightforward. All right, next question. Title, Vagabond Ability Allowing for Double Drops. OP, Vagabond's ability reads, after you fully execute a maneuver using your adaptive ailerons, if you are not stressed, you may drop one device. If I drop a bomb during the system phase and then perform my adaptive ailerons maneuver, can I drop another bomb then? I haven't been able to find any rules preventing me from dropping more than one bomb per turn, but I suppose I could have missed it. Any thoughts? Answer. Yes, while a ship can only place a device during the system phase, it can drop an additional bomb as instructed by its pilot or upgrade ability. Note, however, that some cards that can place devices at times other than the system phase, such as Edon Capil uh, in the MG100 Star Fortress and the Genius Astromech, contain the text if you have not dropped or launched a bomb this round, which pre would prevent them from placing a subsequent device if they had placed one in the system phase. 
Next question. Title, Darth Vader in the TIE Defender and Sense. OP, can Darth Vader in the TIE Defender equip Sense and use it for its non-force requirement ability? I assume he could, but I thought I would ask for a definitive answer just in case I was incorrect. Answer, yes. Darth Vader's TIE Defender pilot ability limits him to spending force a force only while attacking. As using Sense to choose one ship at range 0 to 1 and to look at its style does not require you to spend any force charges, it is not affected by that restriction. Another straightforward answer. Good job, AMG. Alright, next one. Django and Count Dooku interaction. OP. Django executes a blue maneuver and his opponent a white one. Django attacks and says, I'm using Dooku for a blank. His opponent rolls three eyes. Will Dooku transform one eye into a blank and Django's ability turn another eye into another blank? Or Django turns one eye into a blank and since there's a blank on the roll, Dooku's ability cannot trigger? Answer. Hi. Yes, as Count Dooku's crew ability takes effect after the dice are rolled and before the modified dice step during an attack or before other dice modification effects are applied for dice rolled at any other time, Count Dooku would change one focused result to a blank result first with Django Fett's fire spray class patrol craft pilot ability allowing you to change a second die in the modified dice step. You know, some of these questions are just stuff that I never would have thought at, thought of, and I'm really excited to be going through and reading all these, because I think it's giving me a fuller understanding of the game. I hope it's doing the same for you. Alright, next question. Title, Thermal Detonators, OP. During the system phase, you may spend up to two charges to drop that many Thermal Detonators using the one or two template. Each must be placed using a different te template. My question is if I'm only dropping one, can I use the one or two template? Or is that reserved for only dropping two at a time? Answer. Yes, you may use either the one straight or two straight template while dropping one thermal detonator. Next question. Title, dice modification, OP. I was able to win the dark raid regional dice. The green symbols are easy to see. The red symbols are not clear. Is it, it is difficult to see the difference between a crit and a hit. I know you can't modify dice. Would it be permitted to put a small dab of white paint on the crits to make them easy to identify? Thank you. Answer. Hi. As per terminate regulations, players may mark dice with a permanent or indelible marker to indicate ownership in an unobtrusive manner but cannot otherwise alter them in any way. Good to know. Next question. Title, Experimental Scanners and R3 Astromech. OP, hi, can experimental scanners be used to obtain a lock on a ship beyond range 3 which is behind another object, i.e. an asteroid? And does the R3 astromech ability to obtain a lock after carrying out a target lock action allow me to have two separate objects shipped locked at beyond range 3 on turn 1? Cheers. Answer. Yes. Experimental scanners may be used to acquire a lock on any object not at range 1. 
Yes, R3 Astromech in conjunction with experimental scanners allows you to require a lock on two different objects not at range one. Okay, so this is actually good information and it's going to go back to the other question. So R3 allows you to require a lock on two different objects. So uh, I would go back to that ruling where you would not be able to lock the same ship twice. All right, next question. Title, do pattern analyzer and rotating ship allow a ship's base to be temporarily outside the of the play area? OP, do pattern analyzer or rotating the ship allow a ship's base to be outside the play area without fleeing? Below are the relevant rules and example of how I think it could work. Rules affecting the interaction. Flee, a ship flees if any part of its base is outside the play area after it executes a maneuver. A ship that flees is removed from the game. This is a one-time only window where the ship checks for fleeing. Maneuver. A ship can execute a maneuver by resolving the following steps in order. 1. Maneuver ship. 2. Check difficulty. Pattern analyzer. While you fully execute a red maneuver, before the check difficulty step you may perform one action. Rotate a ship. Instead of posting the full section, I'll point out that rotating is not a maneuver and does not count as moving either. Examples of this interaction. 1. Kylo Ren with Pattern Analyzer reveals a 3-speed Talon roll and begins executing the maneuver. Kylo Ren completes the maneuver ship step of the maneuvering, placing Kylo in a position where a corner of the ship is outside of the play area. Kylo Ren uses Pattern Analyzer before the check difficulty step and boosts back onto the board. Kylo resolves the check difficulty step, gaining a stress token. We now enter the trigger period for game effects and abilities that trigger after executing a maneuver. Kylo Ren now checks to see if he has fled the play area. No portion of the base is outside the play area, so Kylo Ren is not removed from the board. Would the above work? Answer. The rules reference will receive the following edits. Flee. A ship flees if any part of its base is outside of the play area at any time. A ship that flees is removed from the game. While a ship moves, a ship does not flee if only the template is outside the play area. Before a fleeing ship is removed from the game, the only effects it resolves before being removed are the effects that trigger when it flees. A ship cannot flee while resolving a boost, barrel roll, decloak, or slam. Partially executing a maneuver can cause the ship to flee if this results in any part of the base being outside the play area. All right. Next question, acquiring versus transferring. OP. This is quoting, acquire, a term specific to lock describes any instance of getting a lock. If a ship is instructed to acquire a lock, the object it locks must be at range 0 to 3 unless otherwise specified. Transferred locks are not subject to this restriction. Example 1. Harrison Dula locks Suntir Fell. Hera acquires a lock. Suntir gains a lock token, corresponding to Hera's lock. Example 2. Hera then transfers her lock to Derek Cliven. Derek acquires a lock. The lock token on Suntir is replaced with Derek's corresponding lock token to indicate this. I just want to confirm when they when you transfer a lock it does not trigger the effects that occur when you acquire a lock correct because it shouldn't answer yes when you transfer a lock it does trigger 
the effects that occur when you acquire a lock. Oh, I didn't know that. All right, next question. Gideon Hask in the Xi plus Scorch question. OP. Previously, I'd seen Gideon Hask ruled to take place during the modified dice step because you don't know if you've rolled two or less dice until after 2A has finished. My understanding, and this is now incorrect from the query about uh, Hask and Malaris, in, and it's a link topic, I'm not going to read that. In this case, can I choose to first resolve Gideon Hask to add a third die and then use Scorch's ability later in the ability queue during 2A to add a fourth die as both take place during 2A and are my own player's ability? Or does Hask have to be the final ability used in 2A? Hask test. Text. While you or a friendly ship at range 0 to 2 performs a primary attack against a damaged defender, if the attacker rolled two or fewer dice, it may gain one stress token to roll one additional attack die. Scorch's text. While you perform a primary attack, if you are not stressed, you may gain one stress token to roll one additional attack die. OP. Also, if Hask has the final ability used in 2A, does it still take place before rolling any dice, or does it take place after rolling the original die? I was under the under 2A ended as soon as the dice were rolled, and based on that Malaris Hast ruling, it seems like it might be inaccurate, or the text on Gideon is. Answer. No, Scorch in the Typho ability may be used during may only be used during the initial roll. If this causes Scorch to roll three or more attack dice, Gideon Hask's ability may not be applied. Both of these uh, abilities occur during the roll attack die step 2A, first Scorch, then Hask. Alright, next question, titled Debris, Clouds, and Linked Actions. So, OP. So if I have a V-Wing equipped with the Q7 Astromech, and I boost on top of a Debris cloud, can I still perform the link lock action before receiving the stress from the debris? Or is the timing different? Because the rolling four and gaining a stress from wounded pilot is a player ability and not strictly a game effect. Does this mean that all the text on the damage cards are players abilities and should always be resolved with the ability queue, even the text without action headers? Will we get clearer definitions of what constitutes a player ability and what constitutes a game effect? Answer. No, they have different timing. Quote. A ship moves through an object if the template is placed on the object or when a ship moves. If uh, I read that wrong. A ship moves through an object if the template is placed on that object when the ship moves. If a ship moves through the obstacle, it suffers the effect of that obstacle. End quote. Another quote, after a ship performs an action with the attached link action, if the player wants to resolve the link action, action, it is added to the ability queue. Okay, I think this is another instance where it might have been a little bit more helpful to, to go into a little bit more detail and uh, really break down how that, how that goes. I'm sure it's clear, but... Um, I'm not I'm not fully seeing the answer so what it looks like to me and 
I, I, I could be mistaken in my interpretation, but it looks like uh, you would resolve the effect of the debris cloud and then you would go into the link action. So you wouldn't be able to link the action because you would already be stressed. I think that's what D is saying. All right, next question, measuring range, OP. When measuring range, do the nubs count when determining if something is in range for an attack? If so or not, where would the information be found? Answer, no, guides on the ship's base are ignored only while measuring range or determining whether the ship is in arc. Each ship's base has two pairs of guides, one pair on the front and one pair on the back. Some devices also have a pair of guides. You can find this information in the rules reference guide under the guides entry. Next question, Vagabond dropping four bombs. OP, can the TIE Striker pilot Vagabond drop all four thermal detonators in one round? Two during the system phase, then he activates an aileron's forwards and drops two more. Or does Vagabond's ability limit him to a single device token, including for something like cluster mines? Answer, no. While thermal de detonators allows you to drop two devices in the system phase, Vagabond's pilot ability specifically says you may drop one device. All right, next question. This is an elusive question. OP, does elusive res reset after a red boost or barrel roll on a linked action? Answer, no, the charge on elusive talent is recovered after you fully execute a red maneuver. Performing a boost or barrel roll does not count as executing a maneuver, but does count as a move. Next question, Bobo and Fearless. OP, hey, does Fearless trigger off of Bobo's rear arc? Answer, no, Fearless requires you to perform a front primary attack. The attack range to be one and to be in the defender's front arc. Performing a rear arc primary attack would not satisfy these requirements. Next question. Title, Outer Rim Dice, OP. Easy question. May I use Outer Rim's dice as attack dice for X-Wing? They are the 2016 World's Dice Lookalikes. Answer, yes you can. Next question. Use hardpoint bonus attacks when granted a bonus action from a standard source. Okay, OP. Let's say a huge ship equips Han Solo, Rebel, the Rebel Gunner, and turbo laser battery. At initiative seven, can it use Han Solo to fire the turbo laser? Hard points don't have an attack header, only bonus attack. So I've been unsure if this works. FFG's FAQ answers still seemed ambiguous. If it's allowed, this still counts as using up that bonus attack header, right? So you could fire the turbo laser again out of the other side of its turret arc. Thank you. Answer. Hi, sorry for the delay on this. It's been a bit manic, and we wanted to make sure we got the ep epic play solutions right. Answer. Yes, Han Solo Rebel Gunner would allow a huge ship to engage at Initiative 7, and as a turbo laser battery hardpoint upgrades adds a turret arc, Han Solo could use that weapon for the bonus attack. If you did, you would not be able to attack from that turret arc again for that round. Okay. 
Next question, Luke and Extreme Maneuvers. OP, some of the third-party squad builders allow Luke to equip Extreme Maneuvers if he also has the S-Foils upgrade cart equipped. The official squad builder has never let Luke take Extreme Maneuvers. Is it correct to assume the official squad builder is working? Answer, hi, we found some fixes to some of the squad builder issues people are experiencing. To be able to select Extreme Maneuvers Force as an option on Luke Skywalker T-65, do the following. Add Luke Skywalker to the squad, equip the S-Foils configuration to the ship, click on the tick to confirm this. With the S-Foils now confirmed to be equipped, Extreme Maneuvers should be able to be equipped on Luke Skywalker. This one kind of doesn't really apply anymore as the official squad builder is dead. Alright, next question. Title, Squadron Building Restrictions of Actions with No Color Mention. Synchronized Consoles on Ada 2. OP, the restriction of the synchronized consoles is printed with a lock icon. No color is used to describe it. So could the Ada 2, which only has a purple lock on its action bar, equip, be equipped with synchronized consoles? I would appreciate it very much if we could see more specific definition of the squadron building restrictions in the future versions of the rules reference, making points like this more clear to all. Answer. Hi. We found some fixes of the squad builder issues people have been ex experiencing. To be able to equip synchronized console modification on any of the ETA2 pilots, do the following. And add the ETA2 pilots to the squad. Click the tip to confirm this. With the ADA 2 Actus ship now confirmed to be in the squad, synchronized console should be available to be equipped on this and any other ADA 2 pilots you add to the squad. Alright, equipping upgrades to a ship. OP. In reference to the use of afterburners extreme maneuvers to a T-65 X-Wing and veteran turret gunner to a Y-Wing, no longer applies. Can they be added if the appropriate upgrade attached provides the action required? Answer. Hi. Yes, we found some. Okay. And so this is the same thing. You equip the turret to the Y-Wing first. You click on the tick to confirm this with the turret upgrade now equipped. You can equip veteran turret gunner uh, to the Y-Wing. Alright. Next question. Double repositioning as wing leader. OP. Hi. When a wing leader, this for example in a TIE interceptor, does a double reposition barrel roll plus boost and ends his activation with a stress, his wingmates also gain a stress or can they lock focus etc. Answer. No, the wing leader could activate as normal, double reposition, gain the stress, and then the wing mates would form up using the wing tool as normal. They would still be allowed to perform an action from the limited set of wingmate actions provided they haven't overlapped an object while forming up. OP, thank you, I read it that way too, but I found that pretty powerful, and wingmates do get stress after the wing leader moves with a red maneuver. 
Answer, yes. When the wingmates form up, they act as though they have executed the maneuver on the wing leader's dial. If the wing leader executed a red maneuver, all wingmates form up again, then gain one stress token. Next post. Yoda in spinning the of multiple force for their default effect. OP. Hi team, thank you for opening up the rules forum. My question is how to handle the following situation. A ship with a force rolls two focus results during an attack or defense. A friendly Yoda, Eta 2 Actus, is at range 0 to 3 of that ship. If the ship spends two force points to modify these results, can Yoda restore one of these force points, one or more, or both their individual incidents of force expenditure? Answer. Yoda can restore both force points by using his ability two times. Each force spent by a friendly ship constitutes a separate opportunity for Yoda to resolve. The following rules, while performing an attack, a ship can spend any number of force during its attack die step to change that number of its focus results or hit results. While it defends, a ship can spend any number of force during the defense die step to change that number of its focus results to evade results. Simply mean that there is no limitation on the number of force that may be spent during, device, during dice modification as long as force is available to be spent. Alright, last question that we're going to cover on this episode, CC10 and R2A6. OP, can CC10 use both his ability and the R2A6 at the, at the time or not since it looks like they occur at the same time? If they can, would you you just need to determine an order of operation? Answer. Yes, each ability is able to set a new revealed maneuver. CC10 with R2A6 uses the ability queue to resolve or not resolve both abilities in the desired order. Question. This is a quote. When the effect such as Season Navigator instructs a ship to set its dial to a different maneuver after you reveal your dial, is the ship's revealed maneuver the one that was on the dial, or was the revealed maneuver the new maneuver to which it is set? Answer. A ship's revealed maneuver is the one to which the dial is physically set. If an effect such as Season Navigator physically sets the dial to a new maneuver, the new maneuver is the ship's revealed maneuver. If multiple effects set the dial, the revealed maneuver is the final maneuver on the dial after all the effects that set it have been resolved. Okay, uh, thank you again for listening to another episode of the Salt Mines X-Wing. As always, uh, if you want to support this podcast, please consider being a patron and uh, there's lots of goodies that come out with that, including special custom design tokens uh, and entries into the monthly ship giveaway. Uh, also consider leaving a review however you consume this podcast. It really means a lot to me. And as always, if you ever have a question or have any feedback, please shoot me a tweet at SaltXWing or at SailorJoeV or... Shoot me an email at saltminesxwing at gmail.com. As you know, I like to end every podcast with a question. This week's question is, what do you think of the new segment? Is this something useful, or is it just a time waster? This is Sailor Joe, signing off.